Hello everyone, and welcome to the Get Clean Podcast. I'm your host, Khalil Sharad, and this is episode 16. In this episode, I will be interviewing the great Donnie Thompson. Donnie is one of the all-time world record holders in powerlifting, but his second career is probably eclipsing even that, being that he's the creator of the Thompson Fat Pad, Fat Bells, the Thompson Bow Tie, and Body Temper. Tony's a great in, in, inventor, just a great person overall, and I had a, such a great time talking to him, just a really good down-to-earth person, somebody that is so great, but so humble. All right? I hope you like it. Let's get clean. Donnie? Yeah. Hey, man. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Just happy to have you on. <laughs> well, I um figured out how to do all that app stuff on my own. <laughs> I'm, ex- I'm expecting some type of a uh, award from the tech gods. I'm not. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> right, or, well, or, or, or a curse because you know how dare you, old bastard, learn how to do it. App. <laughs> I wonder your daughter helping. Oh, oh, trust me, I'm I'm not that into it, and I'm 25, and I still. <laughs> be having trouble so don't 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 think it's not that about the age you know these really really young kids they, they grow up with this since they're like five years old so i think i think that's right. what it is <laughs> yeah i mean they'll snatch your phone at five years old and they're able to go places you never knew it, even your phone could do i never seen anything like it that, that's why most of the time i i try not to update my phone just because i don't want to have to figure out new new stuff on there yeah <laughs> that's exactly right <laughs> Oh, so, so I'll just hop right into it. Uh, tell us uh, who you are and what you do for a living. Well, um, uh, my name is Donnie Thompson, and I, I don't, I, I'm jobless. I guess I don't know how I would other. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I've been um, for a living. I'm basically just, uh, you know, I have products on the market, and that's mm-hmm. what is my main source of income. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then you know, once in a while we. I get involved in, um, you know, speaking engagements and stuff like that. But they're, you know, they're not, that ever since they're, the new time, you know, you know, the the way things are now, that just isn't going to happen a whole lot anymore. You know, mm. so, um, but you know, the product things has really taken off really well. So that's basically what I do. And uh, you know, um, I have other products coming out, that, but these things take forever. I mean, people wow. think I have this good product. I just made this thing and it's like they think that's gonna be for sale next week. You know, it's just, <laughs> it usually takes a couple of years to, to even, you know, uh be considered, you know. So to, uh, to like get it patented, is that what you mean? Or or just to like get your product out there? No, I mean like a patent is a waste of money for a lot of things, you know, but mm-hmm. there's some things you should get patented mm-hmm. and there's trademarks and stuff because you don't want somebody just to take your name. Right. Like uh, when a fat pad came out, we hadn't, uh, we can't really patent a pad, you know, cause it's like, right. it's, you're going to fight with the government forever on that, but you can't trademark the name. Mm. And a lot of these things are my names. Like, uh, you know, I came up with the name for fat bar back in 99, you know, mm. that was, my name. I, but I never trademarked it. So someone else got it. And, Damn. You know, but so they'll use, they'll, they'll even, like, I don't know how many, a dozen knockoffs of the Fat Pad, and they all called it Fat Pad. And it's like, wow. man, it's like, 
you know, this is frustrating. When my trademark finally came true, it took like two years. It's like, oh, sorry, bro. Yeah, <laughs> can't use that name anymore. You now, know, so were you the first person to make that really, really thick bench? Like, were you the yeah, first person? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, no, no that was, uh, I designed it in 06, 2006. And mm. I actually had four made, three or four made. Um, I think it was four. And then we just, um, we found the one that worked best for everyone. And that was the one currently for sale. We had even a bigger one, like 16 and a half inches wide. But wow. So uh, that was just too much, you know, because when your arms <laughs> down, when the bar hit your chest, it was almost pushing into your shoulders. Oh, uh, hurt, you know, it hurt, you know. I mean, so it was <laughs> like, this is too big for most people. So uh, we, the 14 and a half was the one that, that really did well. And so I started training on my gym, started training with it in 06, 07. And then, you know, we all started, all our benches went up because training is like, uh, you know, where most of your injuries are going to take place. You don't really, you don't really in the meets, you know, I don't, I don't really recall ever. I remember going to meets with an injury, but wow. I never really recall getting injured at a meet like where you're now I've seen it happen. I'm not saying right, it right, doesn't right. happen, but for the most part in that controlled environment, you know, we overdo it in training and we, uh, you know, um, especially with the bench press and we, you know, that, my orthopedic surgeon friend of mine told us how it was too small for us. And I'm like, well, explain further. And then, then the story goes, you know, Dr. Lee showed me, told me about it. So I had four made. I measured over a hundred, some people at a powerlifting meet. And that was the one we came up with and we used it for, Oh, I mean, Oh seven, Oh eight. And I got like two bench records in Oh eight with, uh, it was a first guy to bench 900 in a meet. And, I used what every crappy bench they had at a meet. I never, you know, I never complained about it or anything. Like I wanted a fat pad, but I mean, what are you going to, you you can't change the rules. And so just when all I did was just uh, set up a lot tighter on this, on the puny bench pad and everything was fine. You know, I just, but as long as they didn't have to train on it anymore. No. I mean, I'm small. And when I use like a, if I ever have to use, go back to like a regular gym, because I train at a strength gym. It's like when I go to a regular gym and I use this, it hurts my shoulder. So I can't imagine yeah. the big guys. <laughs> I don't know what you do. Well, everything's so disproportional in powerlifting for, you know, because we, we divided things up by weight classes, right? And I don't, I don't care what fed you do or what genre, that none of that matters. But there, most all feds have weight classes. And, uh, and so you're going to use one, like on the, the squat is one thing because the lifter can walk out or um, stand still and the rack removes itself. And mm -hmm. then they're free with the bar, it's just them and the bar. But on a bench press, you know, if you have a 123 pounder mm -hmm. and then a 325 pounder, so that same bench is going to be the same, you know, I mean, for a 123 pound uh, lifter in a 148, they're, that bench is plenty big enough, you know, but then when you get the, the, you know, the 200s and 300, that bench is too small. And right. when, not only that, it's the height, you know, they, they have a height established on a bench. It's like between right. 15 inches, right? No. Yeah. And so you're telling me a guy six foot six <laughs> and a guy five foot six, or, you know, that's equal when they use the staff to use the same exact, bench, you know, I don't, I don't they make like a shorter guy. They'll be, they'll put blocks under a person's feet. 
Right. Yeah. 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 But then when they're talking, it's like let's ra- let's raise the whole bench up. Oh, you can't. It was against regulation. So, <laughs> like, what what do they do? What's what's so wrong with that? Can we just like he literally can't really bench at all? But they're like, oh no, some rule says no, can't do that. Yeah, this is this is the cl- way it's always been. This is the way it's always been. And it's like, well, it's but if the way it's always been is kind of wrong, you know, yeah, or yeah. Not good enough. So, yeah. you know, I just uh, the, and the other thing, uh, the you know, if people, what's laughable about powerlifting is that if they knew, if people really knew about how they came up with these standards in the first place, none of it was you know, researched, none of it was uh, <laughs> a, a, a big group of people putting their heads together, finding what's best for the lifter, what's safe for the lifter and all these other things. It, it really literally was uh, in the 70s, uh, back then the AAU ran everything <laughs> and they rules and so they pull a bench out of the Y. <laughs> that's the standard, you know. And uh, Fred Hatfield told me years ago that they, he knew a guy who used to just cut as many pieces of plywood as he could out of one four by eight to, you know, get as many cuts. So he saved money. And so the bench bench pads range from seven to nine inches. And if you look at mid seventies meets, you'll see like uh, old AAU footage of, uh, and pictures of uh, the big guys like Jim Williams and stuff benching on those things. And, uh, and Don Reinhout and, one meet, they had this bench pad that was as wide as mine or wider, and it was mm. long, right? And then the next year, they have a puny pad out there. <laughs> and so all the bench records went up with the big bench out there that they just pulled in from a gym. Right. It's someone homemade. And then the next year, you see this puny little bench out there, and everybody's hurting themselves. Because right. the lifter doesn't think, you know, oh, this the lifter just thinks numbers. You know, I want right. to bench, you know, 600 pounds. 625 because last year at the nationals i got 575 so this year i'm going to get 625 and they go out there and they, they give it all they got but and they're definitely stronger but it's not the same uh bench they had the year before you know what i mean yeah they did the swap on them and so <laughs> you know uh, there's no consistency is what i'm trying to say it's so know? strange because like coming from like basketball like there's a certain quality that has to be on every court and every hoop Right. And then I'm like with powerlifting, I'm like, all right, in this one they have to walk out the walk out the weight. And like I don't even have a monolith, but I know the benefit of having one. And it's right, like, right. okay, the bench, it sucks, it's puny. It's or this one you can get a hand off, this one you can't. I'm like, why is there inconsistent? I don't understand. Like this literally sounds like one place you'll get hurt, one place you're not. And at the end of the day, shouldn't that be like the most important thing on those judges or the the federation's mind? Yeah, I and um, so the, 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 I always have this saying I stole from the Bible because I, I don't think God's going to sue me. But, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, there is no good federation. No, not one. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, uh, they're all corrupt. They're all uh, bad. They're all. Uh, they're, and that's you know, losing the money, right? Because then people are like, oh, I won't go into powerlifting just because of that. I'll, I'll do weightlifting now because it's just maybe run a little bit better. Like, Well, it's, it's, it's more established. You know, it's, it's been yeah. around. A lot longer, and that's another power thing. Did they just took the Olympic, the Olympic lifting bar was designed for Olympic lifting, and so powerlifting came around because they were using this that type of training to be better uh, weightlifters, right? Mm -hmm. 
they're like, oh, we're going to start this new thing where there's a bench and a squat involved and a deadlift like we do for training. But, you know, um, so that powerlifting was born, right? But all that all powerlifting did was uh, take the bar from the Olympic lifters, you know, from the weightlifters, right. and use that bar. And no one ever thought, well, what kind of design should we make for power? <laughs> you know, we right. probably need a different bar for all three lifts, you know, because yeah. yeah. uh, the Olympic bar was designed for weightlifting. It wasn't designed for powerlifting. Right. Yet we hold true. This is what we've always done. <laughs> what we always done. And so to fight that, and then you've got, you know, um, I mean, I've heard, I've heard guys, you know, cry and whine on social media about, I'm an ambassador for the sport. Like, yo, what? Yeah, you know, <laughs> and the problem, the problem, I always do the long shanks impression, you know, when you see all these problems with uh, powerlifting, because it, it kind of distracts from the one great thing about powerlifting, you know, and the, the best thing about powerlifting is just you. Like, Khalil's, if you want to uh, make an improvement, you can join whatever fed you want, with any genre you want. Correct. And then, you know, three to four months later, do the same meet with the same circumstances. And if you upped your total, you know, and, you know, got a few PRs on your lifts, you know, your training's going good. And you have now that it's like, man, my, I went up 50 pounds on my total. This is awesome. So now you cut the bug. And now the next year you do the same thing. You might jump a weight class because you got a little bigger or something. But still, you chose your genre. You know, you chose your fed and you're – you can stay, it's just like a scale, you know what I mean? And you could keep getting on that same scale and see an improvement. So that's what the great thing is. It's the, 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 your, your fight against yourself, that journey and conquering your fears and conquering things you never thought. That's what powerlifting is all about. Right. You know, that, that this, this uh, a self awareness, a self, you know, um, uh, how, what's the word, you know, uh, an, an awakening, so mm -hmm. to speak, you know, and, and that's what's neat about it because you can do it at any age and any weight class. And then you get to the fed drama and then the social media drama amongst the lifters. And, you know, <laughs> they're talking about high squats and high, and I'm like, well, I was, I was going to ask you about that later, but yeah, you can tap on that. Why, why did the raw lifters go so in on gear lifting with the, with the, Oh, they didn't hit the parallel depth. But it's like they get green three green lights. So well, I you know I never knew what uh, I never knew why uh, it would be like one couple and another couple, and then one one couple's jealousy of the other couple because <laughs> with they're having sex four times a week and we only have sex a week, so they start hating the other couple because they're outperforming them. Or you know what I mean? <laughs> Right. That's out of their hands. You know, you can, there's right. nothing you can do about that. So we're, we're with empowerlifting. It's like your right. squat is the only squat that matters. You know, and right. you the bed, you chose your genre, and you go there. You, what are you supposed <laughs> to judge yourself to? That's up to them. It's like a like tonight's the first NFL game. It's uh, Kansas City and Texans. They uh, they're gonna be. Are they supposed to ref the game and play the game? <laughs> I think we hire. They, we hire refs or the, the league hires refs to ref the game so the right. players can play. So lifters got to get back to lifting. Don't worry about someone else's squat. Worry right. about your own damn squat. And, you know, if, if you don't like, say, you know, uh, like you were talking about gear, gear lifting federations, they get a bad rap for the 
you know, it's not low enough, but you know, uh, if you don't choose that genre and you're not, what do you care what that, what they do over there? You right. know, what's the integrity of sport. There, there is no integrity in powerlifting because we can break powerlifting up and smash it every which way, but lose. I mean, we can go the drug route. We can go the gear route. We can go the, you know, leave people leaving their families to join a gym somewhere. <laughs> you know, they're leaving their wife and kid starving to go join, you know, I hate to, I'm not going to mention the name of any gym because I don't want to say that's Africa. But I mean, we, we've got, we've got horror stories of powerlifting all day long that you've heard and I've heard and we've witnessed, you know what I mean? So yeah. that's just simple. Pick your genre and stick with it. You know, right. I, I don't, I don't know why someone else's squat matters to you because there's nothing you could do about it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it, you know, it, the worst I would say, do the Longshanks quote, uh, you know, you, you say the problem with powerlifting is it's filled with powerlifters. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like it, uh, nice saying if you watch CrossFit over the last 10 years, um, it started off with just gym bums, you know, and yeah. uh, gym, you know, gym rats, and they just started dominating thing. And then athletes saw the prize money and they're like, huh, this is pretty cool. Yeah, and so, yeah started getting it now there's no room for gym rats you know they can't compete with athletes and so the athletes have taken across it over yep. you're just not gonna i'm sorry when you when you get someone coming out of you know uh they were just in, in track for uh you know Ole miss somewhere or you know their nca record shot put holder for purdue or illinois or something you know you're not gonna you're just not gonna beat those kind of people yeah. and then you get you fill the league up with them it's 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 on i mean quarter million dollars is a lot of money and so um it's for real powerlifting if it were to get athletes the and athletes only and have some type of filtering system the bickering would go away but as long as as long as it's ruled from the bottom up it's just never going to powerlifters will always hold powerlifting back in the dark ages it's never going to change and i didn't i didn't hear you Clearly in the beginning, do you own your own gym or, or do you just work at a gym that you? Well, I um I built a place in my backyard, so it's just you know it's for me and my buddies, and I don't uh-huh. I don't really uh I got out of paying rent and all that stuff along. <laughs> it looks years. huge though. That's why I was like, is it a, is it like a full full gym? But I, you guys probably have all the stuff that you wanted. I'm guessing. Yeah, it's uh it's like eighteen hundred square feet, mm-hmm. and um. And I would have done 400 more if I'd have known, you know, because uh, I've been collecting equipment here lately. The last <laughs> couple of years. Right. I have so much more things than I had, uh, you know. Yeah, that big giant leg like, press thing. That yeah. I, I can't remember I, the name. I, I bought that. I used to go to a commercial gym, and then Mark Bartley of Spud Inc. bought the gym from me back in 2002. And, um, mm. and so he, you know, got all the equipment I purchased through the 90s. And, um, when he moved his gym, he left that old location and moved to his new one. Now he asked me if I wanted that and this arm curl machine back that I had purchased back in 96. Right. And I'm like, well, hell yeah, I want it back. (laughs) So he gave it back to me and, uh, and man, I've been very thankful ever since, you know, cause, uh, um, I love that leg press and that arm curl machine. I mean, my gosh, it's I'm back in heaven again. Um, I mean, you know, it's nostalgic, you know, it's nostalgic. I bought it, you know, paid cash for it so many years, you know, 20 some years ago. And then to get it, be reunited with it, you never think, you know, 
you never think you'd see it again, and it's pretty cool. Um, when you were still uh, lifting competitively, how did you address your weaknesses? Um, one of the things I did was, uh, well, I kind of got just isolated myself from everything. Like I mean, back then, we had a magazine called Power from USA, and I would, if I was in it, in my I would look at the picture. I wouldn't read the articles. I wouldn't read articles about anything. I would just look at pictures maybe of the magazine. If I thought I, if someone said I was in it mm-hmm. or if I was on the cover, of course I'd look at it, but you know, my ego couldn't stop myself. But uh, <laughs> the, um, I, I, I had no social media back then. There was limited, right. you know, but um, I didn't do the YouTube thing. I didn't do the, I had people put stuff up there on my behalf, but, and I could go look at them, but mm-hmm. I never spent the day. There was no time designated for social media like we have today. I mean, it mm-hmm. was like I was not connected in any way, shape. I mean, it was 2011. This guy told me, he goes, you really need to get on Facebook. I'm like, mm-hmm. why? He goes, well, you need to, um, you know, people need to know what you're doing. And it put it out there. And I got, got went back and my girlfriend at the time it was like, uh, you know, um, here's how to do it. Da-da-da-da. I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. And then my friend, one of my friends, she's like, uh, um, just don't accept every friend request. Just you got to look at them because they're, <laughs> they're creeps, you know. And I was like, oh, I thought, I thought you just press, you know, <laughs> when you know people. Yeah, you're that. gonna get those Middle Eastern like random dudes that are like yeah. trying to hack your profile stuff. So. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. It was like <laughs> I had the craziest people on the planet, and I was like, oh, I need to filtering this stuff. And so, <laughs> um, you know, then Facebook ended up getting so political when everybody's on their soapbox you know when it's right, like yeah um and you know i don't care if you're it's more it goes past politics and it goes past right and wrong it's more like people uh that's they feel so emotionally attached to the attention on there or yeah. lack of attention, and they they just sell their souls for that little brief feeling of you know oh someone out there is listening to me now you know <laughs> I just don't care if someone's listening to me. You know, I don't give too much. So I, I kind of got off Facebook uh, a few years ago, and I tried to do a personal one to keep in touch with my family, but then they pissed me off. So I'm like, God, you know, they're always <laughs> sending me a message. For, yeah. How can you say that? You know, you're, <laughs> how can you say that? You know, and it's like, oh, why am I answering you? I'm 55 years old. <laughs> and I, you, you don't understand where I'm coming from, first of all, come the powerlifting background, a football background. You didn't care about that stuff when I was in it. You told me to lose weight and quit the whole time I was in it. Why do you give a crap what I post on a, a social media? You know, <laughs> leave me alone about it, right? <laughs> so I just got rid of Facebook altogether. So. Um, oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, how often would you rotate between chains and bands for a dynamic? Day? Oh, um, well, that's like a, a tactic. So mm. back in, uh, um, there's strategies to get stronger, you know, and perform better at meets. And then the tactics you use, every individual is different. So, you know, usually if you have a small group, you'll all do the same thing and that's fine, but that's not necessarily ideal. It's, it's ideal for the camaraderie ship and mm-hmm. amping up the energy in the room. But, um, you know, not everybody can do the same thing, but I found for me, if I rotated weekly, you know, every week, if I um, didn't do the same thing, and I knew 
I had to see what I had to work with. So I had three to four bars I could squat with and mm-hmm. I could rotate them. So I had the straight bar. I had the, the Buffalo bar, the Cambridge bar and the safety squat bar. Those were the four bars I had mm-hmm. back in the two thousands. And so I would rotate them and I knew not to put bands on the safety squat bar. That was, uh, that was not a good thing to do. So I never, Why? Only Why? Ended, well, if, if the bars already, you know, loaded three and a half inches forward on your body, right. not, you know what I'm saying? Cause the, and the, the, the pad sits kind of high. You can take those tips, push it up and snuggle in there more, but right. um, do that. But the, the bands seem to be pulling um, awkwardly. And right. You're not going to, you're not going to face that in a meet. You're not going to face that on the platform. You're not going to, it's just like a bad back thing ready to happen. Mm-hmm. And might not happen with lighter weights, but when you get strong, you know, and you're, your your openers are in eleven hundreds on the platform. You know when you get Blaine Sumner strong and David Hall strong, mm-hmm. even like Daniel the raw guys like Daniel Bell and Ray Orlando Williams. When you get that, those kind of guys strong, you got to be careful not to use um, bands and stuff in a way that they can, you know, pull you out of your track because you don't have to tell those guys how to squat. They know how to squat. You know what I mean? Right. And so we don't need to do anything to exacerbate an injury, you know, uh, tugging them forward on a lift or something. That's a, I don't, I just never made sense to me to ban the safety squat bar. So I never have, and I never will. And uh, I don't let anybody here do it, you know, but they can do what they want in other places. I don't care. You know, it's their body, but here I don't need to watch it, you know? So, uh, you know, then plus I have a couple more bars. I have a, Duffalo bar to choose from a Mars bar, my um, El Matador bar that uh, that I use. So that giant, the yeah, giant circle, half circle yeah. one, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'll, when you're ready to ask me, you know, on more along on this interview thing, I'll tell you how I came up with that. But uh, everybody goes, it's a cross between a Buffalo bar and a and a um, Cambridge bar, and it's like sort of. But that's not how I came up with it. It's a hmm. it's a fun story. That deals with football players, but I'll I'll get to that later. But the the um the bands and the chains you start getting in, and let me tell you something, Khalil. The only thing that you can do is experience. I mean, you can't read this stuff and apply it. You can't like you have to be in the trenches, experiment mm-hmm. with this, and find it. And it take it's time, you know. Time and and experience is about the only thing that you can figure what how to figure out because. The strength thing's not coming overnight. You know right, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I know, I know. <laughs> I want to get super strong. That, that shit is right. Tough, you know? Well, we're, we're Americans, and Americans are, you know, American um, philosophy is I want it, and I want it now, and I, right. I don't want to pay a lot for it. You know what right, I mean? Right, right, right. So I want it, and I want it now, and I want it cheap, you know? So <laughs> – but fortunately, it does not work that way in most things. Right. You know, so it's this is we, this the strength isn't lottery, you know, where you could scratch the magic number off and, you know, man, I got a six hundred pound bench now. It doesn't work that way. So no. <laughs> you got to earn every pound. You got to earn right. every pound. And uh, and that's why we start getting, you know, um, when you get in touch with yourself and you start uh, your weaknesses, your strengths, and so now we know we need to build weaknesses up it's not the same for everybody you know everybody's like different sizes heights leverage angles and everything else so i'm like 
um, you'll figure it out. And it's like, for instance, if you have a shorter guy, like a five foot six, five foot seven, I train with six foot tall, six foot two guys, and they have band tension on her. Who do you think is going to get more out of band tension? The right. taller guys. Though. Right. The, the shorter guys are going to get chipped on their band tension. So you almost need to like account for that and maybe add more, you know, uh, find a way to get the band sense tighter for this, for the shorter group. So they can get the same amount of band tension, the taller guys get. And so right. it's like little things like that. So you might want to break the group up so they can, you know, uh, chain thing. Like when we, we have a shorter person trained with chains, I'll just loop the chain around the end of the bar to raise it up some for them so they can enjoy what we're enjoying, you know? So right. it's just little things like that, that you got to, you know, pick up over time and there's no right and wrong way to do it. The only thing wrong is not to try, you know, right. And, uh, the biggest thing I see mistake I see, especially in the squat is the people, um, are, they, there was kind of like a rebellion in powerlifting 10 years ago or so. And they, they didn't want to try any of these things. Just the 45 pound bar, walk the weights out. I remember this one social media guru said, the only bar you ever need is that 45 pound bar right there. You know, <laughs> and I'm like, and then like he got hurt. And then eight months later, he's, he's squatting with the safety squat bar saying how great it is, you know. But uh, when people start talking like that, you just got to, I just laugh it off, you know, these experts. Because you, who's an expert? I can, I'm still learning stuff. Right. 40 something i'm like 42 43 years into this i'm right. i'm still learning stuff almost on a daily basis but that was, that's I what can, makes you great right there yeah i I'm, i don't know i mean I, I would like to be great one day but <laughs> you know like sometimes i feel like such an amateur i got a like, you know we got a 20 year old kid in here who's really strong i watch one or two things i pick up and i'm like oh man that's a good idea i think i'm gonna try that you know <laughs> you know you know i learn from the young i learn from the older uh and i don't know i just uh it's just it's a never-ending process so if you think you've got your it's like uh programming for somebody i don't do that kind of thing right because it's like how can you program for somebody uh, this this week and next week might be totally different you right. know and so you, people really have to start with they've got enough to read where they can formulate their own programs and um you know you really got to start if you could just change things out weekly and you know not overtrain. I know you you you've been average well not advertising but I know you talk about a lot figure out how to program yourself and I yeah. had to do that like basically I just a necessity when I had less money to pay for the straight coach I was paying for before but it was funny where it was just like because it was online now it's just like well I don't feel guilty if I'm not doing something cuz literally it kind of makes me hurt like if I have knee pain here I'm like how can I target the same muscle or get the same the same purpose but just do a different way and like doing that has like made me better as a coach now when i'm doing with my kids and i'm like ah you know it's just like you don't have to be like come in it's like oh whatever was written down like gotta do it gotta do it but it's like right. well, maybe you can change it a little bit and that can make you better faster and healthier you know fine well, it's just like anything when you start up like especially with kids you know they're either they come into ninth grade and they never lifted before right you know, you, you, we're not going to do a um, you know a progressive overload of you know right. hit program with them. We're just going to get them familiar with the barbell and, and uh, work on their form. You know, uh, get them doing body weight stuff. I mean, it's just very common sense. You know, you know when when they start you know, when they start getting strong, we can maybe add, you know when 
a chain to something, maybe put a light band on something, but not until they get very comfortable and familiar with all that stuff. Mm. I mean, it's a process and it's a long process and it's a, it's a commitment for, you know, um, as, as long as you want to walk on, on the planet. I, mean, I know I plan to train till I die, you know, you know, <laughs> Hopefully that's a long time from now. <laughs> so, but you know, it's just, it's just common sense. I mean, I'm not like we were talking about apps, downloading apps and how hard it can be. Right. Do you think you're going to put me in a, you know, a room where uh, an IT room, you know, where I'm going to be cracking these codes. I don't know how to do any of that. So I'm an amateur, I'm a, you know, a, a beginner. So right. you would not, you know, put me in that situation. That's why we would not put young, you know, inexperienced people under these strenuous conditions right off the bat. They got to work to that. You know, well, you're going to take a high school kid and put him in an NFL field. What's going to happen? You know? mm-hmm. He's, it's going to be a bad day for him. <laughs> you know, so it's like, you got to be, you just got to be smart with your rotations. And, uh, you know, I, as you start getting stronger, we, we start changing stuff up. And um, one of the things I think the key to think is, is variety. You know what I mean? Cause yeah. uh, the, um, say we do what the popular social media guru said, we take a 45 pound bar, <laughs> all we need. And then, you know, and we're benching with this, with it, with it. So I did that for 20 years, Khalil. I did it from like 1978 to 1998. When I was exposed to a new, you know, wow, you got a longer squat bar, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow, this uh, this uh, on Iron Mind had that Buffalo bar for sale. I was like, man, I got, I bought that. It was like five hundred at the time, that was like seven hundred or something. But I was <laughs> like, I'm gonna get this, and then I found the Cambridge bar and the old Hatfield bar. I'm gonna buy this. So I remember at Christmas I bought it, and I told all my buddies, "This is your Christmas present." They think you Yeah, it's like. But, you know, the, and it made lifting, it changed everything, your approach, everything when you had choices now, you know. It's a lot more fun, too, just oh going to straight bar all the damn time. That's that's boring. <laughs> well, I mean, I I understand because I did it 20 years in a row, you know. That's right. 20 years, the same thing. It's, you know, it's the same bench press, the same squat, the same. I mean, there's ought to be, for someone who can do that, I mean, that's like eating, you know, the same breakfast right. every day or the same dinner every day, you know? Holy crap. I don't have but if you don't know, you don't know, right? And, yeah. uh, you know, when I was exposed to the other things, I was like, this is incredible. And I started reading more. And, um, you know, that's how that's how uh, my strength changed tremendously. I just got real diverse, you know, started – it's always simple, but there's always a, uh, you know, there's, it's just, there's always, it's always simple, but there, it, you do have to find out who you are and what you're capable of. Right. Why, why do you, uh, in your, in your own words, why is box squatting superior to free squatting? I, I would, I wouldn't, I think in training, you can, um, you can control the same exact depth every mm-hmm. single so you can decide what box height you want. You can go below parallel, parallel or above parallel, whatever. Right. Like Mr. One of my buddies, Mr. Haney, he's got two hip replacements. He's older, mm-hmm. but you know, he, he, he can walk his 
get his weights on her, walk it out. But we squat him down to, you know, three or four inches above parallel. You know, we're not going right. to, I'm not going to try to break you know, the hip replacement and right. damage him, damage him. I mean, we're just happy he's squatting. So, yeah, so we're not, you know, that's up to you how low you want to squat. But I think that the box squats not for everybody. I'm, you know, I, I have seen it where it just didn't work for everyone. And that's might not be that many people, but still there's some people that just benefit more from just free squats all the time, you know, and, um, they can change their stimulus all they want. Just like as someone who box squats. So I'm not completely sold on the box squats for everybody, but for me personally, it really worked well. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, obviously it did. <laughs> I mean, I, I loved it, you know, so it's a consistency for me and I, I, that, I always respond well to that, you know, but being consistent and, um, and for a speed work, I never, I only used to box on heavy day and for speed day. Cause it's like this, Khalil, it's like if I'm, if I'm doing two meets a year, right. right. And I took a three to five week meets, meet training, uh, cycle. Uh, and it, it was usually three to four, five weeks to get three or four attempts in. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I'm using a straight bar. I'm free squatting that whole time. Then I go to the meet, and of course you're free squatting. So if I had two meets a year, that's ten, ten weeks minimum out of the year that my training is with a straight bar and just a free squat. You know what I mean? Right. right. So that's ten weeks. So that's one fifth of my year is training regular free form squat with a straight bar, and then the the, the other, you know, um, the other forty some weeks are all changing bars up all the time. So mm-hmm. uh, it's, you're still getting plenty of straight bar training in if you're doing two meets a year. Right. Um, why are fat bells superior to kettlebells? I don't, I don't, um, I think they're just like other, anything else, you know, they're like, uh, another tool. They're, yeah. They're another tool. So it's like, they don't, they don't win. They don't beat fat kettlebells on everything. Like, if you do a snatch, like for me, I like a kettlebell snatch. I like mm-hmm. that thud it presents, but I know 85% of other people that do, they don't like that thud. They don't, that's why they won't do kettlebells because right. they're like, for me, but they can do a fat bell and do the snatch and there's no learning curve on that one. It just goes, it pops right up to that position and you lock right. under it. Much well, easier. you got a bigger arm, so it probably doesn't clank. Like if I do it, I'm going to feel like I'm breaking my damn wrist. Right, using right. a kettlebell. <laughs> using a kettlebell, and like I had a big, strong football player in here a couple of weeks ago, and he was doing kettlebells and fat bells with me in the circle. And um, we got to the eighty-eight pound kettlebell, and that, this kid's stronger than I am. So it's not like he can't handle it, but he's not used to kettlebells. Right. He went to snatch; it was just very awkward. So I gave him the same weight with the fat bell, and he was able to perform that perfect. You know, mm-hmm. I so, don't have him in my gym, so I, I just trying to imagine like what it's like but it seems like pretty a pretty dope obviously it's done well so <laughs> yeah it, you know, it was uh i got into kettlebells in 03 mm-hmm. and um i went straight to the source pavel and learned and uh it's like straight to the source and power i went straight to louis to learn you know and uh and i didn't uh call those guys all the time i didn't i, I went and learned and i went back on my own to um you know, because I mean, it's not their job to spoon feed me, you know. So I just, I just would go. And if I saw him again, we'd talk, we'd talk shop more. 
And that's how I learned more from them is when I went on my own and did stuff and not just bludgeoned them with phone calls all the time. But uh, right. anyway, the kettlebells got me so strong and powerlifting. It was like the glue, the the um, mortar between all the block. You know, it was like the one thing I needed. Right. And um, so about my third year into them, I was um, doing heavy swings with the one of six. And I thought, um, what if I shoved my hand into the center? And that's exactly what, I mean, that's exactly what happened. And, um, and I was like, I thought about it. And then I had a dream maybe <laughs> later that it happened. Right. Yeah. And I think I was watching too much incredible Hulk. Remember when, <laughs> when Hulk's father, he's, he got the gamma radiation. He put his hand in the steel table and his hand became part of steel. I was literally watching that. I was like, that's like the kettlebell idea. I had. And, then, and then, um, the, uh, I, I dreamt that I did it and I woke up real fast and drew the pictures and I still got the original artwork and all that stuff that I, you know, it's not pretty or anything. Mm-hmm. Then I had, uh, Oh six. I pitched the idea to dragondoor.com and, uh, John Duquesne and Pavel and, um, they really liked the idea. I had like three conference calls with them and, and um, I, they really liked the idea, but they finally ended up turning it down because they didn't want to break the momentum of their kettlebell sales. You know? Right. <laughs> so it sat on the shelf. I showed it to Dave Tate at Lee. He really liked it. And then he turned it down. So he said, that's just too much work for me to do. <laughs> then I went to Rogue in 2012 and they really liked him. They wanted to make the welded version. I'm like, boy, I'm like, the smartest road get them like that. That's going to be way too expensive. They have to be cast. And everybody's trying to get around the cast uh, expenses, you know, because it's like five to seven thousand dollars normally to cast something to forge, you know. And, um, and so they were trying to get around that. And then finally, you know, some other things happened. And then Rogue decided um, in 2015 that they would take it on. And then as soon as the first batch came out there was five sizes that very week one of the people from O'Call uh emailed me and said we're gonna go ahead and make 10 more sizes i'm like well hell yeah that's great <laughs> so that that's what happened can definitely, you, ex- can you explain to me oh sorry go ahead you go ahead. oh was one more thing i was like like you were saying how it's superior to the kettlebell it's not superior it's more like a brother or sister to the kettlebell right. but it's definitely superior to the dumbbell but by, by, i mean you just can't even compare the two so can you explain like the difference, like how it hits or what's happening in your body that's different when you're holding the fat belt compared to the kettlebell? And then also, I guess, the dumbbell, too. Like what what's the benefit that it does that's different? Like how can it just doing different movements? Like what does it do? Just because I haven't seen one in person myself. Okay. Kelly Starrett, when they first came out, right? he, he uh, emailed me or texted me. I forget what it was, but he was like, you've... Uh, reinvented toilet paper this is such amazing and saving my wrist and he goes the biggest thing is the high proximal stab and you know i'm like what the hell does that mean <laughs> so to my PT friends and i'm like what's a high proximal stab and they explained me doing the distal and proximal and i'm like oh oh okay i don't understand so it's like um the the fat bell since your hand is in the center of the solid you know iron mass you know you're mm-hmm. you're dead center mm-hmm. um you are able to have a higher proximal stab, meaning more muscle involvement. So hmm. you're going to get stimulate the muscle more with the same amount of work as you would with a dumbbell, you know, 
and get more out of it with the same amount of time. And plus, you know, the dumbbell has restrictions on the way it can move because the weights are on both sides. So especially right. when you get real strong or using really big dumbbells, there's, there's, there's a one pathway you can take. You you don't have that with fat belts. You, the, the restriction, you know, the, the, the restrictions are minimal. So, you know, even getting them on your body and off from bench pressing is easier. You know, just roll them in place and unroll them, you know, and uh, there's no uh, awkwardness <laughs> of the length and all that stuff. So now I was the, experiencing that yesterday using heavy <laughs> dumbbells. Yeah. It was the first time I got the hundreds for the first time, but throwing them back and how long they are, it's like awkward. And then I just remember watching the video. I'm like, well, if the circle just kind of gets bigger with the fat ball, I bet you it's like a little bit easier if I don't have that dumbbell, because, you know, you can get the dumbbell rack, but it's like, it's still kind of an annoyance. But yeah. I feel like with the fat bell, it would be easier. Yeah. yeah it's, well, it, the fat bell feels heavier. Uh, that's a big thing everybody says. Oh, when wow. it, it feels heavier than the dumbbell. But, I mean, it's more concentrated, I guess, because of the geometric shape. So, right. you know, um, a sphere can hold more mass than any other geometric right. shape. So right. That's why I think it, is um you know it feels heavier up in a, a comparatively to the same weight but uh now you're moving your when you your stroke is changed now there's like some rotation in your stroke that wasn't there before you know there's right. some external internal rotation uh going on that not, you can't get with dumbbells and then over time you start feeling this and so I know the first thing you ever try when you get them, get, get a pair of 53s or 62s, 70s, whatever, and do some incline, some, you know, slight incline presses with them. And then you'll notice, you'll be like, oh my gosh, man, my chest is blown up. You'll uh-huh. notice that the blood going into the muscle just is like, same with curls, you know, so uh-huh. uh, triceps, anything you want to do, the blood will go to the muscle like beyond anything that you've ever had experienced before comparatively to dumbbells. Wow. And um, that's the higher proximal stab Kelly Stare was talking about. Um, can you explain to me how you came up with body tempering and then what are its benefits compared to just, I guess, regular foam rolling and why people should have the body temper? Well, um, I got to go back some years, back in the early 2000s, we noticed that if uh, you got a hernia, like a, a full-blown hernia, uh, you're pretty much done squatting and deadlifting big time anymore. You know, even if they fix it, you're still always in the danger zone for that. Now, there's been some people that have done well with the repaired hernias and stuff, but I always thought, you know, man, the best thing to fix a hernia is maybe not get one, you know? And, uh, <laughs> so how do we prevent it? And so uh, we just would take the, when we got the kettlebells, we start rolling our stomachs with them. Right. And we had a, um, I didn't have a good experience with foam work because the minute I got on it and I was, you know, 300 some pounds, it just smashed into the floor. So, <laughs> yeah. The, the ones with the solid pipe in them, they were way too expensive. So I wasn't going to buy them. So I just bought PCD pipe from Lowe's. You know, and right, 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 right. And I started rolling. I would do the kettlebell first and then I would roll my stomach on. Should the, people um, do that on the regular, like 
Because you're trying to what roll out the psoas and stuff. Should people do that? Well, it's, it's not the psoas. It's just the the whole all the tissue and the tort in the trunk area. You know, it, right? And so because it's it binds. You gotta remember all your abdominal muscles and stuff. There's nothing behind it but guts. You know what I mean? Right. Every right. other muscle on your body has a structure underneath of it, and this one does not. And so everybody speculates what this does and this does, but all I can tell you is if you can. I can't come up with a better word, but if you could separate or diffuse the tissue where it can work independently, you know, instead of firing as one big area. And that's mm-hmm. how a lot of strong men and women get hurt is because they're, 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 they're so strong and they're so muscular. And when things are bound up from like high acid, you know, uh, uh, delayed onset muscle soreness, high acid right. build up in the muscle where you have the knots in the muscle and stuff. Yeah. And now you're recruiting an area that's that's firing in a, in, for better words, a clump. I mean, that's not real medical, but the, the whole area is firing as one big clump. That's where the muscle starts. You can, your own strength can rip a muscle, you know. So, wow. what had happened was, is we didn't want that happening. So, we were rolling on a PCB pipe for our stomach after the kettlebells, rolling with the kettlebell. And I had a piece of steel that I had for 18 years, you know. I bought it from a gym. It was like drop cut piece of steel, 24 inches long, five inches in diameter, weighed 130 pounds. And we had painted ex-wife on it because no one wanted <laughs> to pick it up and move it around. Right? <laughs> and, uh, right. and so the, um, Levi, uh, we had a football player from here get drafted first round. And, you know, the I don't know if anyone's ever been picked first pick of the first round from Columbia, South Carolina before, but Jadavion Clowney was the number one pick of the draft. Oh, wow. So he goes to the Texans, and within four days, he gets a sports hernia. Wow. Well, um, if you knew about this man at all, he's solid muscle. He looks like a human no, I, Yeah, I don't know much predator. about but I know the name, and I've yeah. seen him before, yeah. He, he's a 6'6", you know, 6'7". Six, <laughs> six, six, he looks like the predator. You know what I mean? Like the, <laughs> yeah. You know, and he has muscle on top of muscle, and he's always been that way. I mean, he's just gifted, right? And, uh, and so a lot of times when, you know, his own strength can, can uh, cause a problem, and uh, especially in the abdominal area, people like to call it core. I, you know, I refer to it as a trunk, but um, the um, – the, the thing is, is I'm like, man, he didn't have to go through that. You know, now he's sidelined for right. how many weeks. And this is bullcrap. Why does strength coach just uh, have him roll out on the with the kettlebells or roll roll out on the PCV pipe? And I saw the ex-wife laying down next to my buddy Levi. And, and I was like, Levi, what if we pick that ex-wife up and roll our stomachs with it? And he goes, I don't know. <laughs> I said, here, you try it first. And so <laughs> – I picked the damn thing up, filled with dust, and I picked it up and put it on his lap. And he started rolling his stomach, and I saw his eyeballs rolling back. He goes, buddy, this is unbelievable. I'm like, oh, man, I got to try it. And so I started trying it, and I'm like, my gosh, this is incredible. And so uh, that led to the chest area, the shoulders, then the quads. Then we got brave and started doing hamstrings in the back. And then the last thing to ever do was the calves, and boy, that was horrible. And uh, and the feet too. You do the feet too. Yeah, that came later. We figured that out. I mean, our knowledge and body temper in the first six months grew to beyond. I mean, it was like you do all the, these exercises. I'm like, whoa! But you yeah. need like a team to get you in the damn thing. Like some of the ones where you like hanging upside down, or you got the straps from above. You got the 
think I'm like, but damn, I bet you that traction is crazy. Yeah, I mean, you got to do it. Listen, you know, I came up with a saying a long time ago, you know, um, it's, it's, I don't even know my own sayings. It's like extreme. Um, some about extreme measures require, you know, um, it's, I'd have to go read my old text. Is it extreme results to take extreme measures? Maybe that's, yeah, it's not, that it's sounds like, something uh, like that, yeah. Yeah, and it's like I always I always post it every once in a while, so it's it's definitely recorded down. But uh, um, you, you've got to if you're going to have to take extreme measures when you're in extreme circumstances, and so uh, an NFL football player or D one football player D two, they're not the normal people. You know, they right. your your NBA basketball players, your top at basketball, they're not normal people. Right. You know, um, they are. They are different. They're special, and they need their needs need to be met more so right. than regular people. That's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. And Davion Clowney was definitely not a regular person, and uh, mm-hmm. so we started doing that. And that's you know, if it wasn't for Clowney, we would have never been discussing it. You know, and wow. so we uh, we started with that one piece, and I went to a steel yard and bought as much as I could and started experimenting and. And that led to, you know, um, later the next that was that started in like the summer of 2014. And then in May of 2015, Chris Duffin flew in. And he wanted to learn all about it. And then he even said he'd make stuff and give you made me the a Bruce, little, not the Bruce. Wait, boomstick. Yeah, no, it was a Bruce. The boom, boomstick. Boom yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, in March of 2015, I was sitting there and I thought, well, what if I for the shoulder, what if I hit these four spots and I push this um, thing, this uh, like a baseball bat into those areas. And I'm like, <laughs> and the first thing that came to my mind was the boomstick from the movie army of darkness. That uh, was an old horror movie. And he had a, he had a shotgun and he raised it up and said, this is my boomstick. <laughs> and I never, it just popped in my head at the same time. I don't know how, but uh, so I'm like, I can need to get a boomstick made. So I, Took a piece of two inch, uh, you know, uh, metal that two inches or, uh, in diameter, and it was 24 inches long. And I had grenades from a lead FTS, and so I took them to the machine shop and they drilled out the ends of the grenades, capped them, and welded them on. And that was the first boomstick. And I came home, came to the gym, I got one of the kids in there and said, Let me work this on you. And so I just did a minute, and that ended up being pretty much what we do now so i did the pack i did under the pack i did the levator and then i did the 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 back of the where the terrace and upper lats go and those were the four places and it just freed the shoulder up like crazy and i was like holy crap now it's done like worldwide you know people are doing it in pt clinics worldwide i mean i I see the teams like the college teams that you get them with their personal design of that team like old miss or whatever is on it and then the whole team's rolling out so yeah. yeah, yeah, and then the, the boomstick, uh, the boomstick I came up with in March. Chris Duffin saw it in May, and he had a prototype done that summer. You know, so and the prototype looks a lot better than my. Um, <laughs> I mean, his version looks a lot better than my prototype. You know, it's it's so, and then you know, uh, I've had five other people come because I didn't want to bottle like make all body tempering instruments um, where I have a complete um, dominance over them. Like I didn't want, I didn't want people, the tool to do body tempering with to get in the way of the method. 
So mm-hmm. I was like, let's let's let anybody who wants to make them make them. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So what I did is I trademarked body tempering because they came up with that the minute I rolled Levi. You know, they mm-hmm. came up that that was born right then. I didn't have to search. I never have to search for a name, Khalil. It just hits me. And then um, <laughs> if it doesn't hit me, I don't do it. You know what I mean? Right. I never search for anything like that. I, if I have to strain, it's not worth the time. It, it either hits me like just right then or, you know, it's not going to work. So um, anyway, uh, you know, Christophe had that made. And so then that very summer that Chris, after Chris would, the month later, I went to Chicago to do a clinic out there to teach body tampering and compression therapy. And um, I met Rob Hesselton and he was there with his ankle. He said that he never, you know, he had his ankle surgery and my once one time me wrapping it and working on it was better than all his physical therapy combined. Wow. And then, yeah. And then when I rolled him out with the rollers, he couldn't believe it. And so he called me up and said, look, I'd like to make myself my own rollers. Can I do that? And I'm like, absolutely. And so then he called me again. He goes, I think some people want to buy these. And I'm like, and that was our biggest uh, obstacle was nobody wanted to go out and look for the steel. So we would say tape two kettlebells ass end together, you know, and right. uh, ain't nobody using them anyway. Khalil. You know, be honest <laughs> with you. You go to every program, no one's using them. They talk a big game, but they never use them for real. And so uh, the um, I go, I, Rob starts making them, and then uh, some of my NFL buddies were like, hey, uh, can we, how do you like, where do I go to get steel? I'm like, contact this guy, Rob. He might be able to make them for you. And so Rob made like nine for the Detroit Lions. Then he made like nine. I saw that, nine, yep. nine or ten for Notre Dame. And then he, then he uh, got to Chicago Bears a few. And so the one lucky thing about body tampering and Rob and um, also um, Chris Duffin is that when they, when we got started on this, if, if he didn't make those, cause it was really Rob that pushed it to the forefront and uh, with his uh, body temper rollers that were like mine, he uh, body temper because he was able to fulfill orders for teams and put their logo on it. And that's when it really took off, you know, because uh, honestly, no one's going to get. And then Chris came up with the concrete filled one and that was OK. You know, it, now he's come up even with a better one now. And our big thing was, you know, everybody said we were going to get sued if someone breaks someone's back or breaks a leg with them. <laughs> they're going to sue us. And so that stopped, you know, that. How's that any different than anything? If you're that much of an idiot, like what did you do? Throw it on your leg? Like, how did you? Uh, yeah, you break and, your leg doing it. I don't understand. Well, those were the the people that hated body tempering right off the bat. The, the professionals that hated it. And oh, oh, oh yeah, did, yeah, yeah. How do you deal did. with those people? The highly educated people who can't squat a bruise, well, but think they you know, know body temper doesn't do anything. It was a process at first. At first, you're like, you get scared. You're like, um, are, is there any truth to what they're saying here? Right, right. And I was like, we have never had any problems, and uh, right. then you know they're. Uh, it's gonna break the spine a off their off their off their spine. You know, the, it's gonna the fracture them the spine a when you roll it over there. But that's never happened. You know, uh, none of this stuff has happened that they predicted. And then it doesn't work. You know, oh, it doesn't work. Foam rolling's better. And I'm like, have you ever done it? No, I'm not, and I refuse to. Oh, so then it doesn't work. Okay, it's kind of like uh, one guy teased me about my squat being high on social media. 
And I'm like, well, that's kind of that's something else. You first, you've never attended a powerlifting meet, and second, now you're all <laughs> done in the judges' chair. It's amazing. You're a miracle, dude. You know. <laughs> so, but if you you can't take those things too personally because if you watch um, politics, well, whether uh, you know you watch Democrats and Republicans, they are they fight like I've never seen. I mean, I think if you put a sword in their hand, they they chop each other's heads <laughs> off. You know, so. But the, the nice thing I like about the politicians fighting is they they can't sue each other. You know what I mean? Because they're public servants. So in this thing, if you say something, you'll get a, a letter. And people, someone who's sensitive, you know, they'll send you a letter from wow. a lawyer and sue you. And it's like, how can I? I can't have an opinion now. You know, how do you keep my mouth shut? And so, you know, I just went on an attack. You know, so when this doctor so-and-so or this doctor so-and-so – and all they're doing is, you know, building a brand. You know, they're trying to be like Kelly Starrett, really. Trust and me, I know a few personally that I've had conversations with this topic about you and body temperament. About I'm not going to say the damn name, but trust me, there are people who don't know anything because they have a doctorate. People blindly believe them. Right. And I'm just like, yo, you've never trained, though. Like, that's the thing. Like, I know, I know where I am, but I know the people who know way more than me and actually have done it. When you're just another doctor, a physical therapist, you're just, you know, pumping clients out that you don't really care about. I'm like, sorry, like, you don't know enough to, I mean, yeah, everybody can have their opinion, but like, they think it's fact. And I'm like, oh my God. Well, here's the thing, Cleo. It's like, this is the problem with, you know, the world today, okay? People, maybe it's always been this way and we're just now noticing. People can see something work with their own eyes and they still won't believe you know, and I mean, that's just the way it, I don't know what else to say. You know, I mean, this goes back to the old times, you know, uh, uh, I mean, people have seemed to exude this type of behavior where they can see something with their own eyes and they still say, I refuse to believe it. You know what I mean? Right. And so uh, when you're dealing with that with and there's nothing better than to add the word science behind it. You know, what's the science behind it? Until a science proves it, I'm not doing it. It's like, well, hell's bell. I mean, what was the science behind getting under 135 pounds back when I was, you know, 14 years old and trying to squat the damn thing after I, after I cleaned it and pressed it over my head and then put it on my shirt? Here's what's the science behind it? Well, resistance makes you stronger. That's all I need to know. I don't need to know any more science than that to get started in weightlifting. Where's so, the scientific you know, studies? Yeah. I'm like, well, we just came up with the damn thing. I don't know. You know, the the studies will follow. And everybody's like, well, you need to get studies. I'm like, well, you know, um, I don't have the money to do studies. You need to work out. How about that? Yeah. And what was I know is the soft tissue injuries went down to almost nothing with extremely with people. That's your study right there. Did you make somebody strong and fast? Did you keep them healthy? That's all the study you need to know. And meanwhile, you know, it's funny. Those same people. They're the people that, like, don't test their athletes, but supposedly the athletes are getting better. Or when the athlete gets hurt, it's an injury bug thing. What? Right, right, right. I mean, again, we're going right back to you. They can see it with their own eyes, and they still won't believe it. But they have degrees. You know what I mean? Uh-huh, yeah. And it's like, golly. So, um, you know, okay, okay. So this is what we're up against. And so, um, you know, they see it working. They still – and I had, you like, uh, one famous – 
back doctor. He's he's like a back expert and stuff. He goes, well, as soon as studies are done, I will I will I will uh, buy into it. But I'm not buying into. It. I'm like, you just watch somebody get up and you question them, and they saw a vast improvement of, of two minutes of work. I mean, I don't know what else I need to tell you. You know, uh, it's not my problem at that point. You know, so I you know I I learned and then I found out that it's you know. Everybody's so protective over the brand they're trying to create, which is yeah. bullshit anyway. You know, yeah. so many, so many t-shirts they don't and cruises. They don't want to right. be made wrong. And you know, body temper doesn't replace a chiropractor. It doesn't replace physical therapy. It doesn't replace massage therapy. It doesn't replace stretching and flexibility work. I'm. It's it's another tool in arsenal, dumbasses. You know, <laughs> it's not replacing anything. And so there's uh, room get, for it all. So when they find an occasion with me, then it starts with the other, it just trickles into the other things. You know, they, they don't mind publicly. Like I never went on their stuff and publicly ridiculed them. You know what I mean? Right. And then they'll get on there and they'll be like, uh, I'll see a film. Like when the bow tie came out, this, this chiropractor out in California makes a video on it saying, this is just rogue trying to make more money. Oh, and he throws Jesus. the bow tie and I'm like, dude, I mean, <laughs> I mean, this is this isn't rogue trying to make money. It's, it's me trying to pass a method over, and I hope I do make money on it. But it, you know, uh, he never even tried to bow tie on. But I that led to him. That's all you got to do. Yeah. So with that, with that right there, people and people just got on and said he pulled the video, right? So and then and then later on, this this same guy, and I'm he's not. It's not personal. It's like the same type of person, okay, that mm-hmm. you have dealt with and I have dealt with, they're not going to try the fat belts because Thompson's on it, you know? Yeah. They're not going to try body tempering because Thompson's on it. You know, they're not going to use a fat pad. They refuse to use that because Thompson's on it. Anything my name's attached to, they all of a sudden find this little personal war where, like, I don't endorse his bullshit stuff, da-da-da-da-da. That's like, well, dude, I mean, I, I don't know what, what you <laughs> You have a thing against Thompson, was or you have a deal against somebody. Maybe I don't look. I used to think it's because I don't look the part. You know what I mean? I'm a, a super ex super heavyweight powerlifter, ex lineman, so I don't look the part. To in their, I don't represent what they think I should look like. You know, but I am who I am, Khalil. I'm not. I'm not going to uh, get super skinny just so I can sell more products. You know what I mean? Right, exactly. If you don't believe the product doesn't work, don't use it. Right. But there's plenty out other people. There's that plenty do of smart enough people to try it themselves, right? Instead of blindly right. following. So it's the same thing with the reverse hyper. Oh, I guess because Louis on it and Westside Barber. Oh, I'm not going to do it. It's not bad for the it. back. Yeah. Yo, get on it one time. Just get on it one time. I've never did a back pump, but then felt so much better after every squat. Get on that. Go use the ATP. Uh, I mean the inverse curl. But people be like, Nah, I'm just going to stick to doing fallen GHR. Yeah, and um, it, it, here's the thing. A lot of these dumbasses don't realize that Louie made the glute ham popular. You know, the glute ham race was non-existent. Louie made that popular again back in the 90s. And then, you know, all the machine companies, Louie, uh, in conjunction with Dick Hartzell, figured out the band. And I was there when him and Dave Dayton figured out how to put it on the, the rack, the squat rack, how to slip knot <clears> it to add it wow. to the barbell. You know, because we were just laying it on the bottom of the rack. And when we slipped on it, we found it made more resistance, right? Right, so, right. Um, Louis and Dick Hartzell were the ones that 
uh, you know, integrated it into into lifting with squats, deadlifts, and bench press. And you cannot watch a video on Instagram and not see bands being used in some way or form. That's all Dick Hartzell and Louie, you know. Right. Louie, like I said, got the glute hand popper. He popularized reverse hyper. He popularized the the racks having, you know, places for bands to hold. Right, so yeah. You cannot, it doesn't <laughs> matter what vendor sells racks. There's band attachments for it because of Louis Simmons. And he may not get the credit, but as much as you might want to hate Louis Simmons and not give him any credit, the all companies have had to adapt his way of doing things with bands and chains. He made he popularized them. So they pay they pay respect to him by you know making their racks available with these kind of things, but then they don't want to cite him for anything. <laughs> they don't want to cite hard soul, you know, they don't want to cite there's so many people that change the path that people don't like. But it's like, you know, I hate to use myself as an example because I will never self-martyr. And, you know, if people – I, but here's what I found. Everyone resisted the fat pad in 2012 when it went on the market. You know, mm. you know this isn't the pad we use on the, on the platform. <laughs> this, why would I use it in training if I don't use it on a platform? I'm like, well, that's why would you rotate bars and squats? If you're not, right you know, there, you go. Not, okay. and, uh, <laughs> why would you use band chains when you don't have that on the platform either? I mean, it's just we can go on and on, right? So, I found this resistance to this, and but guess what happened? If you look at all the companies that make equipment now, what's miraculously happened with no, they're not going to give any credit to old Donnie Thompson here, the old fat pillar, yep. but they're going to start. Oh my gosh, their pads are getting wider yeah, now, yep. isn't that a miracle? <laughs> They've all come to their senses, and they're not making the little puny pads anymore. But why is that? Oh, it has nothing to do with the Thompson bat pad, now does it? You know, <laughs> they're such dumbasses, man. And it's like I, I outperform them in every single little thing, just using the simple peanut knowledge God gave me. You know, mm-hmm. and all I do is execute it. These people just do the same thing over and over, over and over, and you know. Uh, no, we're the best. Well, why are you the best? Oh, well, we're the best. We're, you know, we're legendary. We're the best. I'm like, oh, uh, well, first of all, if you're a legend, people will attach that to you. You don't tell yourself you're a legend. You yep. know what I mean? Right, right. You don't say yourself as an expert. People say that about you. So, you know, these equipment companies, they just crack me up, man. They're just, uh, they run towards regression. They're, I mean, they're almost just like powerlifters, you know. let's. I want to go back to the dark ages. Yeah, let's make this as hard on ourselves as possible. You, know, but, <laughs> you get but, uh, hey, that, yeah. Let me ask you a question, Powerlifter. You know, you're, <laughs> you're you're doing this. You know, totally raw, totally. You know, you have to walk the weight out, and this only counts. <laughs> why do you allow the whippy deadlift bar in there? That's different. That's no, 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 no. I want the <laughs> the the non bending bar like the old days. I don't, don't give that, that that one foot longer, skinnier deadlift bar. You know, so they always make an exception. And then they're like, "Oh well, you know, uh, what did you do to to get your squat up fifty pounds? Oh man, I took uh, this many more cc's of testosterone. And then I did this many orals before. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. So you upped your steroids to get more weight? You know, oh, I thought it was just the straight bar, and that's all you needed. Why would you need more steroids? You know what I'm saying? I don't understand." So they don't, they don't, they don't divulge all those things. You know what they I mean? They need to be right. That's what it is. They exactly. Need to be right. 
exactly. And it's like, uh, you know, I, I, no one's honest about no one will shoot people honest, you know, and, it, and it's all you got to do is be honest about these things, you know, um, powerlifting in its powerlifting in its quest for yourself is there's nothing more fun. I mean, it's incredible. And it's like, you can up your weights in your category and get better and better and better. And there's no stopping you, but you, but now it's gotten to this like drama queen gossip stuff over the past, you know, 10, 15 years, their squats are high to who, what's, you know, like we were t- talking, how's that have anything to do with you? You know, right. It's the integrity of the sport. And I'm like, there is no integrity. integrity. In powerlifting. There's no integrity in powerlifting. You know, it's, as far back as you can go, guys did whatever they could, any way they could to get more weight. Right. I mean, all the way back in the seventies. It's like saying, no, you, they're arching so much. And that's why they can bench. I'm like, but it hurts me to arch. I can't even do it. But you don't see me crying. I'm, you know, people search yep. for an advantage. That's what you, what are you crying about? Or just do you. Well, just do you. But I used to get frustrated when I saw, like, uh, Germany had this midget who was mm-hmm. uh, benching. He was benching 600 or something. Like, Dang. he has a two-inch two stroke. You know, <laughs> how does that count with us? But it, right. they counted it. And there's nothing you can do about it. Right. You know what I mean? And so, uh, you know, there's a lot of things you'll see that are unfair, but I always refer back to football because, you know, it's my background. And mm. I got a, a receiver catches. Okay. Before the game, they're all praying. Okay. Right. They all get done praying. You know, they kneel, then, you know, give God the glory for everything. Game starts. The receiver goes out, catches a controversial pass. He knows the ball hit the ground, but no camera <laughs> angle can pick it up. Right. And so, this guy who just got done praying, he's in the third quarter, and this catch means might mean win or loss for the team, right? So the refs call it complete. The opposing team, like, that's bullshit. It touched the ground. The ref overrides it. He finally gives them the pass. The game goes. They, they win. Then the kid goes and prays after the game, right? <laughs> and he's before the game, it's like, let me do my best, Lord, and your honor. And after the game, it's like, Thank you, Jesus, that they didn't catch that field <laughs> trapping the ball. You know what I mean? I mean, is he going to pray that – is he going to say that, oh, ref, I'm sorry. I have to be honest with you. The gra- the ball hit the ground. You know, I got to give this – I got to tell my team, look, team, it did hit the ground. They're like, why would you tell him that? Yeah, you're going to you know, get cut. He's not going to tell him that. He's going to take the pass. Right. So, in powerlifting, it's judged by three people. So – when a squad is commenced or a bench or a deadlift, all right, when those judges pass it, whatever federation you're choosing, that's all you can do. You know right. what I mean? And if it doesn't, like if you watch it on video on uh, the social media from someone else's um, vid, if you don't like it, that's too bad. You know, go there and beat that person at the next meet or something. I mean, I don't, I don't know what else to say. Tonight is the first NFL game. Saturday is college. Sunday is NFL. We're going to see a lot of plays that we don't agree with, but that's yeah. the way it's ruled on the field. Yeah, it's right now what's going thing. on in basketball. Real bad, but hey, whatever. <laughs> and so this is what we're up against. It's in every sport. Problem with powerlifting is powerlifters. These people come from gyms. and They've never played a sport in their life, and they, they, they are the ones that are, you know, most offended by every little thing. It's like, worry about yourself. Worry about yourself. Your own squad is all that matters. 
If that goes up, what do you care what anybody else does? The integrity of the sport, you know, there is no integrity in powerlifting. There's none. So uh, there's no there's no righteous Fed, not one. So I mean, you know what I'm saying. So yeah. if you're not in powerlifting for yourself, then you're in it for all the wrong reasons. You know, if you're in it to be a moral police, you've picked a damn wrong sport right there. I mean, <laughs> I mean, there is no morals in powerlifting. There is no morals. In there's just you and the bar, and you choose the way you want to lift it, and you, that's what you do. And mind your own business. You know. <laughs> Um, should you wear the bow tie when squatting, even if you don't have shoulder pain when squatting? Or no, no, like I, I think I think someone like that. Go ahead and finish your question. Oh, because I was just saying, like, I don't, we don't have one at my gym, and I, I don't have one. But I'm just wondering, like, when should you wear it if you don't have like shoulder pain or anything? You know, but like you, we all have the rounded shoulder shit. You know, like for, like right. I play basketball this time, so my left shoulder that I shoot with is like a little bit more forward, but it's just like, you know, should you just wear it to then just around the house or like, should you wear it? Like maybe when benching, like, you know, I just want to know the insight on that. So the, um, the, the, for me to tell you, if your shoulders are pretty healthy, yeah, I think if you have access to one or if you want to do the manual bow tie with the knee wrap, right. you should, you should do that every once in a while, but uh, more like wear a bow tie in your car on the way to the gym and then take it off and you're good. Okay. Uh, now you're more aged athletes. You guys have some wear and tear and got some, you know, the shoulders that are funky and funky junky, you know, <laughs> I wear it during squats and I'd wear it to bench press then in <laughs> um, anything overhead. Like if you're doing overhead presses or like uh snatch work and stuff like that, or snatch to press, I would probably wear the belt. Right, I get a little pain there. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> You know, try if you get it, if you ever get one, try wearing it while you're doing the snatches and that that helps a lot. So and, you know, all it is is compression around the glenoids. It's not a damn uh, posture corrector. Right. You can't, you're not going to correct your posture. It's not. I saw, a that, I saw that post of the, the rip off one. Yeah. Yeah. There's tons <laughs> of them. There's tons of them. And um, all of those. Uh, this is a side note, but I get like twice now the examiner for the, the U.S. patent and trademark. They, uh, they're always, you know, cause I have a design patent and the other patents coming through. Everyone's challenging my bow tie because the, um, the posture corrector people want so much for me to be out of the entire thing. You know what I mean? So they all go to the examiner complaining that my bow tie is like, there's like this and like that, but I was around before them. You know what I mean? The bow tie launched this whole madness anyway, you know, and now, now they're all trying to get me out of it because I'm, I lead the category. So, uh, you know, now the examiner is always refuting this about one thing about my bow tie. And then I got to pay another two grand for a lawyer to go to the examiner and resubmit stuff, you know? So it's like never ending battle with these, you know, knockoff Asian, uh, uh, products, <laughs> posture correctors, so, uh, you know, it's just one of the things, but, you know, I, I developed it for my shoulder and, um, we found a, the manual bow tie in 2015 to work, uh, really well. And we came up with that measuring for the bow ties that are for sale. So I said, so we gave that away right away and we called it the manual bow tie. And, um, back in 2015, in October or something like that. And then, uh, 
the next October, the regular bow ties came for sale. So it was incredibly marketing um, luck. You know, we just we just uh, did very well with. Uh, um, we already had the free version, and so if you decided you wanted to buy this one, you could put it on yourself. The the pay the road was already paid for it, and then then the knockoff started coming, and it's like, oh, if I tried to sue everybody that knocked it off, I mean, I wouldn't have a dime to my name, you know. So, right. um, you know, it's just that's how, that's the whole thing. So, one flattering thing, Khalil, is I like about it is like, here's an ex super heavyweight powerlifter, gear lifter, of course, you know, the, you know, the lowest of the low, arena football player, lowest <laughs> of the low, come up with this one item that worldwide's getting knocked off. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it started an explosion of knockoffs. That guy, that guy, that nobody, that fat guy who knows nothing, you know, has caused a chain reaction. That to me, and I've manipulated an entire category. That that makes me happier than it. And I don't know why getting people mad makes me happy. You know, <laughs> because I genuinely go out there to do the right thing. And then when you hear these idiots like you were talking about earlier, you know, like, what's the science behind it? That's not going to work. And they just personally can't, you know, just attack something that they don't even know nothing about. You know, then we're on. It's on. You know, one, two, three, four, we got disco war. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, and so it's like, you know, uh, it, it, that to me, you know, it's like if you want to um, if you want to challenge me on my things, that's fine. We'll go for it. But um I, I'm not going to back down and I'm not right. going to lie, you know? Right. So uh, th- those people are willing to do that, you know, because mm-hmm. if you, if you do body tampering, it works, but you hate it so much because you might hate me for instance. Right. But you're, so you're going to say it doesn't work. You're going to lie. You know right. what I mean? Uh, I mean, holy crap. But what kind of person are you? You're, you're definitely not in this for the needs of your patients or your clients or whatever, right. or your athletes, you know, now it's a personal thing. What are some pieces of equipment that are must-haves for a person either starting a gym or a person that has a gym, in your opinion? Um, I, you know, there's a lot of the one nice thing the last ten years where they lacked in methodology for strength methodologies because we've gone nowhere strength-wise like in the last ten years. You know, because uh, back in the 2000s and the 90s. You couldn't keep up with the progress on building strength. I mean, the progress wow. was just going on around 2010, 2011. It just stopped, and progress mm-hmm. regressed. But products, building strength products and stuff, has took. It started soaring at that point. You know, Rogue entered right. the field. Then all the companies were like Rogue stole our ideas. Like, no, they didn't. They just <laughs> made them better. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. And, yeah. Yeah. And if, if you want to sit there and whine about rogues stealing all your ideas, I mean, they didn't, they didn't steal anything. You know, it's like, a, it's so funny when I hear these, uh, these sex swingers say stuff like that, you know, <laughs> rogues stole all our ideas. It's like, uh, why are they so successful? Because they did, you know, they, they're not doing business like you've been doing it. You know, that's why you stay at $10 million or some company and they're a billion dollar company because you keep doing the same shit every year after year. You know, for no insight, you know, uh, now we have a company that's come along and it was a whole new way of doing things. And so um, that's kind of like where benefit of the equipment uh, is like now we have an avenue like Rogue and like some other, you know, you've got some other good avenues too. you know, lead FTS and Westside Barbell. Right. You've got, you know, well, Westside's with Rogue now. So, 
It's yeah, they started with there. Rogue. They started with Rogue, then they pulled away from Rogue, and then they're back oh, they with Rogue. Oh, wow, then, wow, wow, wow. Yeah, Louie had it going on with Rogue at first. He should have stuck with them. And then uh, the uh, the um, Dynabody has some good stuff out there. You know, just, there's some there's some good companies out there. Uh, then you have your, you know, West Coast, mid middle Midwest, West Coast, like Powerlift and stuff out there, Samson. There's all kinds of places you can see to, to buy things, you know, that not everybody makes everything good. So my picks are like small things. And I like that sand dune that Matt Dahl makes, you know. That's yeah, one of yeah, my I know the sand dune. I like that uh Weck method Bosu ball, the the I call it the dome, you know. I got yeah, two of those with staff. You like squatting on that, yeah. I, I love that. speed squats, not heavy squats, just speed not squats. But speed squats. Why um, why just speed squats? Remember we talked about proximal stab, right? Right. right, right. It's it's higher proximal stab in the in the hips. I mean, I don't. I, I every time I do squats on that thing with light weight, I get you know I recruit a lot more muscle, and um, it's just is a nice change now. Instead of just going into static chain or free squatting, I can sit on that dome. And you like and, it better than like a a regular like soft soft box? You like it even more yeah, than that one? Okay. Most definitely, most definitely, but. For heavy squats, I use something a lot stiffer. You know what mm. I mean? So, and then um, the the wet method posted balls I love because you can get the stackers and you can do your um, – you can do jumps on them too. You know? I've and seen that, yeah. I've been doing jumps on them and you have to perch up on a dome like that. It's unbelievable lower leg stimulus with both of those items, you know. <laughs> and I don't want to leave anybody out I'm talking about, you know, but uh, – um, and I just don't want to endorse people that endorse me either. You know, I want to be honest mm-hmm. about it. So that uh, Squat Max, it's a belt squat machine. Mm-hmm. It's so simple. And it was uh, it mimics the – I never bought a belt squat machine because the the redneck belt squat thing that I came up with years ago with, uh, you know, just you and the weight, you can't hold on to shit. And uh, right. the, the weight's attached to a chain in between your legs. And it, it just took a lot. We called it the redneck belt squat because it took a few people to operate. You know, someone had to right, pull right. the box out from underweight, weight, put it back in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if you fell, someone had to push you back in the line. <laughs> so that squat max does the exact same thing, but now it's, you just get in it with the belt. You can hold on or you can not hold on. So I get the same thing out of it without all the hassle setting it up. You know what I mean? And so I got the redneck belt squat. I like with the, comfort of being in an environment that's easy to just so that squat max belt squat is to me the best one i've ever used and uh and you know i'm not endorsed by them or anything like that um i like uh um let's see um the different part like that mars bar for squats has been it's been a wonderful bar that came out um you mentioned the inverse leg curl. If you can mm-hmm. afford something like that, I mean, there's nothing's going to hit your hands like that thing. That's unbelievable. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I mean, that's that's like a dream piece right there. And I mean, that's, I'm just like you. I'm like, I'm if I'm going to have to pay two grand for a piece of equipment, I got to save up. I got to substantiate why. You know what I mean? Right, right, it's, right. So it's just little. You know, I just uh, I just have to. Um, I just have to be careful, you know, I don't want to leave anybody out that they're listening to this and they're like, oh, how come you didn't mention my thing? So <laughs> um, I'm trying to remember every little piece I've got. That what about I the really... uh, hypers? Yeah, I mean, but I thought we were talking about little stuff. So, but Oh, I just hypers. mean like in general, like if it's like, 
like if you're starting a gym, like what stuff you have to have. Yeah, yeah. I don't mean just oh, like, okay, small yeah, musicals. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, the um, you know, reverse hyper. I mean, um, glute ham. Don't forget that. Uh, right. Um, I think you don't really need platforms to deadlift on, but people seem to like them. But you do what you want. I mean, I'm, I would not build a platform for a deadlift. I've done it before. Um, they make the platforms that jump stress used to make that the deadlift off of that you can attach bands to. The bands to, yeah, yeah. yeah that's the only yeah. time I actually, that's the only thing I care about having the platform for that you can right, use right. it for the bands. And so now they make the regular deadlift platform just takes up a lot of space. Mm-hmm. They wish they'd come back with those platforms that were smaller like that. But anyway, that's, uh, I mean, people love the deadlift platforms, get it, you know? So uh, right. I, uh, I think you should have a power rack. I'm not a big fan of power racks, but uh, um, I think every. What do you like instead of the power rack? Just the monolift? No, not not necessarily. Uh, A power rack is good because it is a it is a one man music is a one man band. You know, you can do everything in it. Right. But here's the thing: when you're getting when you you go to a powerlifting meet, there isn't the only thing that's common is the stage. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So they put a squat rack out there, whether you walk it out or it's a monolith. Then they put a bench up there, and then they put the pla- just a platform for deadlifts, right? So when you go out there to squat, you're not in a power rack, all right? Mm-hmm. You're out there to squat. You're in squat stance, and it brings the mood of squats. When you go out there to bench press, it brings the mood of I mean, it's time to buckle up. We are, we're going to bench now, right? When you just use a power rack for every single lift, every single time, it's like a jack of all trades and master of none. And I think the huh. power rack emphasis has really taken away from the mindset that has been developed with individual standing pieces, you know? Right. So it's like when it's time to bench, I'm on a bench press bench with my buddies, you know, we're benching, you know? Now, there might be a lift we do in a power rack, like a suspended band or something like that, Right. it's rare you know what i mean so right. i like the power rack for my uh to use for pre um you know pre-training like i like to do the lower back protocol and stuff like that right, right, right yeah. and upside down upside down stuff <laughs> and i love using them for strength prep i do use it for floor presses you know okay. yeah and i will use it for some inclines but other than that you know everything's individual based so I think we should de-emphasize the power rack to where it's a needed thing, but it's not like your your focal point of the gym unless you have just a garage gym and that's all you can fit in there. Right. But if I guess if it's regular, like a team setting, it's it's probably good to have the power rack, right? <laughs> yeah. You got all the kids, but if you but, have like a powerlifting gym, like maybe you have the competition bench by itself, the monolith right. by itself, right? Yeah. Is, is, exactly. And this creates like if you have a monolith or even the walkout stands, it's still squat stands. You know, right. so you emphasize the squat at that point. Now with the, um, with the, um, you know, I'm not going to get into what equipment company makes the best because that's, everybody's different. You know, it's like right. picking clothes out. You right. might like one thing. I like another. So, but go with, go with your heart. But I'll tell you this rule as a former gym owner and who has spent over $300,000 of his own money on equipment, not bank money. Okay. Um, <laughs> This, uh, or not somebody else, not my institution's <laughs> money. You know what right, I mean? Right. So everybody, every company out there makes something special. Find right. it. Research. <clears throat> go around and use stuff. Find what, who makes the best at something. Buy that. 
but don't buy their whole line like some dumbass. Right, you know? right, right, right. Buy the best from what everybody makes. So the, you'll find that there's, you know, a dozen vendors out there that you can buy from that make do this one thing and they do it well. Get that one thing and do it well. You know, it, it, one company doesn't make all the best equipment. Right. So, you know, these people start uh, getting into this, uh, you know, they, I only, but my whole place is outfitted by this one company. I'm like, what? That kind of sucks. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, I, I don't, I don't want to use one company's everything because they don't do everything well. They do one thing well. Mm. You know? And that's what I'd really like to, uh, they might do a bunch of things. Well, like, uh, you know, someone make make kettlebells the best, you know, and right. that same company um, might also make uh, medicine balls that are the best. And somebody else might, that same company might make a, uh, Oh, uh, maces or something. So they might have three of the good ancillary items that people want. That's fine. I have no problem with that, you know, or they distribute someone else's who's real good and you could shop that way, but never buy one line, always mm-hmm. diversify. You know, there's, there's small companies out there that do stuff really like that squat max. I told you about strength right. ink up in Idaho. That guy, that old guy makes some really good stuff. <laughs> you, you know, if, if anything, buy a pair Buy the dip bars from that guy. You know what I mean? He, no one makes dip bars like him. And, uh, you know, so it's like, you know, what is old is new again. And I, I would really think that, you know, like we talked about Legosaurus, you know, nobody made a better leg press than that thing, you know. Uh, there's just some things Hammer does or some things that, you know, the old time Nebula, you know, uh, they just had really good that one thing that was so superior you couldn't beat nobody else could beat it. Um, what machine or exercise did you find was most beneficial to improving your squat, deadlift, or bench? Like one, one for each is what I is what I, I would mean. have to say. The kettlebell movements did that. Really? Yeah. Yeah, making yeah. me think I gotta I gotta put those into training again. I don't do them at all. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Let me give you some advice on that. Do three things twice a week. You get 90 to 120 reps. And those three things could be this easy, right? You have a one-arm swing you do, right? You have a one-arm alternating swing, and then you have a two-handed swing. Do those three things, get 90 to 120 reps, you know, maybe move up in weight if you want to, whatever. And you'll see a huge improvement in your squat and deadlift. And even bench really? Press. Yeah. It's, it doesn't take a lot. You know, you don't have to get into all the snatch work and all that other stuff. I mean, that's right. great if you do, but. You know, it's just those three things, and that might end up you might end up doing some type of you know front kettlebell squats, goblet squats, something like that. You might end up doing snatches after a while, but start with just those three simple things, and um, you know, life will be. And if you have access to fat balls, you can do the same exact thing, and uh, except with the. Is it more of like a conditioning, or would it be like for like heavy sets of like five sets of twenty or something like that? Well, it's a little combo of both. And so uh, during like, your workouts or like as a second workout? So if I use a kettlebell and I do alternating swings, right, mm-hmm. I can get pretty heavy. I can go like up to 88, 106 and swinging, twist into my other hand, go the other arm, mm-hmm. twist it into my other arm, each rep, right? With the fat bell, I can't go as heavy because I got to do it by the rim. But, right. but in turn, my grip gets stronger. So now I'm by the rim, my grip has to get stronger. So I'm getting, I'm getting, I might not be getting the, the, as much weight as I would with the kettlebell, but 
with a rim alternate swing, I'm going to get better grip, right? Mm -hmm. So everything has a trade-off. If I don't have anything, I can buy one of those stems that have the handle on it and just put plates on the damn thing and do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So, uh, so you spend $99 on that, you know, and you just put plates on it. What's wrong with that? You know? Right. So find a way, you know, everybody's got to find a way. Spud makes a strap that you can hook onto a dumbbell. And I've do seen that. Yeah. So hell, you can do that yourself if you're creative, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, I would, uh, you know, get creative. Those three swings will make a huge improvement in your thing. Now, when you're talking about fancy equipment like the inverted leg curl, I mean, you know that's going to transfer over pretty good. <laughs> you know, reverse hypers, all that stuff is is awesome. But if something affordable and easy to help your squat and deadlift more than anything is pretty much those those three movements, you know. And what about the bench? What would I do, like, what would help the bench out the most? Yeah. Um, uh or yours, you know, when, when I, I, I just don't, uh, I don't want to sound like I'm just repeating guys from the past, but I mean, one of the things that helps a bench press out this really is getting your back strong. You know? mm -hmm. So if you can, if you can do something for back on a daily basis, I mean, in oh, my wow, age, on a daily, the, on a daily. yeah, on a daily basis, you're going to be doing wow. something for back. So, um, upper back work and of course you know we know about tricep and we know about pec muscles and all that stuff right. but you get in that upper back strong you know and upper back is considered shoulders right mm -hmm. you get that upper back strong you're going to see big improvements on the bench press and you and i was talking earlier about slouching shoulders and stuff in today's kids right. i mean i mean nothing nothing is more needed than upper back strength i mean we need that more than ever today so right. um I think uh, that is a huge contributor to your bench going up, you know. Uh, how, how much time do you have? Just so I know, so I'm not. Let's go another up. five minutes or so. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, how did you work around injuries when you were um, competing? Well, um, I always thought the best injury like, – I remember Louis said years ago, if you're in powerlifting, there's a 100% chance – you're going to be injured. And I was like, well, that's, that sounds that's, good. Yeah. Well, this sounds very really wonderful. But he's right, you know, because you got, you're placing flesh and moving steel pieces. So um, something's got to give. So anyway, what I thought about was if I, I saw what injuries take lifters out. Like if you tear a pec, you're never going to come back top level bench presser. You're going to be a good bench presser, but you're not going to be that. Blaine Sumner bench presser, you know, the David Hoff bench presser. So I'm like, well, uh, or that, you know, big Julius Maddox, and he's the biggest bencher right now that we've ever seen. And uh, it's like, uh, you know, if he, if they tear a peck, you're pretty much done. I mean, you remember the old Kazmaier? Remember him, the old strongman? Mm -mm, mm -mm, sorry. I don't. He was a famous uh, strongman guy, and he was uh, had a 661 raw bench, which was incredible. Damn. And then he tore his pecs in that, you know, I think he got back up to 500 something, but he never, never is going to get. So I always thought the best way to, you know, to, to uh, prevent, you know, to fix a torn pec is not to get one. So we don't want that. We don't want a sports right. you know, and we definitely don't want to tear a quad tendon, you know, mm -hmm. so we've got ways to prevent all that. 
We just need to be smart to prevent it all. So I think, uh, you know, uh, if you know this up front, prepare. No one wants to prepare. It's just like the American way we said, I want what I want. I want it now. And I just want be it to lift and be good. That's yeah. It. So don't take the American creed of I want it and I want it now. I mean, you've got, you've got to work for this stuff. You've got to prepare. You know, you just got to prepare. What's the first thing you do when you go to basketball camp? You start the basics, the fundamentals, the train. I mean, I already been through this last year. Exactly. We're going to go through it again this year. You know, in fact, right. we're going to go through it again next year. We're going to keep right. going through it until you quit. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So it's true. Though. It's true. That's, you know, all our sports prepare. We need to prepare better. And again, the problem is, you know, with powerlifters, there's, you know, it's filled with powerlifters. The problem with powerlifting is it's filled with powerlifters. So you're not getting that athlete mentality in like uh, other sports do. So we need to really take an athletic mindset and say, I need to approach this like a football team would or a basketball team or a baseball team wrestling. You know, we need to, we need to go ahead and uh, I mean, you don't send two in the MMA fights. You don't send two guys or two girls in there into the ring and have them just bash their brains out every practice. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. There's a format and a way they approach things. So it's the same in anything else. You just don't go in the gym, throw a wheel on the bar and let's go. That's all we need to do. You know, <laughs> you're going to get away with that for a while, but then you're going to pay, you know, right. and you're going to pay dearly. And yeah. most of the people that pay, I never hear from again, you know, right. when that pet tech peck that's torn at quad ten tears, you, most of those people never come back. There's some that do, but you're not stopping those men and women either way. I mean, you know, they're, 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 uh, they have a heart of a champion. So it's kind of like, that's the difference between them and rank and file. They're normally ex-athletes too. Um, how do you stay so strong, even though you're 55 years old and had past injuries and everything? How do you, I mean, you're lifting so much weight. So I'm like, what the, it's just a little thing. Like I don't, I don't do steroids. I don't do any drugs whatsoever. I, um, wow, really? No, I don't do any of that. Not even that stupid HRT bullshit. And I'll tell you <laughs> why. It's not a moral thing. If I were to take even the HRT testosterone thing, I blow up bigger than I am already. So why do wow, I really? want to do that? You know, I'm, like you said, I'm 55. I don't need to be blowing up even bigger than I already am. <laughs> so I just I keep myself capped off by you know I don't do any of that HRT. No, I haven't done them in like nine years. And then uh, wow. The, um, is that how those guys at, at Westside? I mean, when I'm looking at the videos. I'm like, God, how's this dude? This dude weighs 300 some pounds. But it's like, it's like, all, like he's fat, but it's like it's so much muscle. I'm like, oh God, damn. I mean, well, I know it's damn training. I know that because I know people who take roids and don't. Their training sucks. They don't get bigger. They don't get stronger. Right. But I mean, like, is it like a big? Is that big of a boost? Like <clears throat> when you do um, take it? I, you know. I get from experience, I was kind of disappointed in them, you know, uh, um, but, you know, I was super heavyweight, so a little bit dynamic compared to someone who's really lean. Like, mm-hmm. you've got a, a, a 275 that has no body fat on them. They don't have the, the leverage. Leverage is a bigger person at 375 has, you know what I mean? Right. So, I mean, I can't uh, speak for everybody, but for me, you know, um, I just, uh, I, I noticed that when steroids became illegal in athletics, but 30 years ago or so, mm-hmm. a little bit earlier, a little bit later for baseball, but for, I know in the NFL, <laughs> yeah. it was like 89, 90, they legalized them, right? And so you weren't allowed to take steroids. So 
That's not necessarily the rule. But if you, what's the difference between players from 1990 in the NFL and college football compared to 2020? They're bigger, they're stronger, and faster. Right. They're going to get bigger and stronger anyway. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. So uh, with or without the drugs. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, just you got to have an open mind. I mean, some people may need them. Some maybe do not. But for the most part, you know. If I play football, I would be, I'd, I'd take them. I, you, yeah, I mean, <laughs> if, uh, you know, I just wish I knew about them back when I played. I didn't even know about them. So, <laughs> uh, the thing is, it's like, uh, you know, uh, whatever the rules get set at and say you take this out or don't abstain from this or whatever, um, without say there's no cheating going on, right? Uh, mm-hmm. People are still going to meet those demands. They're going to get bigger. They're going to get stronger. They're going to get faster right. with or without the drugs. It's right. just going to happen. You know, okay. it's the way this progress, you know, it's uh, the way things work. I mean, these kids today have equipment they've never had 30 years ago. And better training and nutrition so, and all that. Yeah. And yeah, then you just nailed it there. The number one thing that the colleges and the NFL have done, and I, I would assume all sports at that level, uh, is they bump their, their meals. They're feeding, yeah. these, feeding these young men and women now. Yeah. And, oh, my gosh, look how they look. <laughs> they look incredible. Because the training didn't get pumped up, just their nutrition did. You know? Right. So now you got this, this, this kid who's working hard, young man, young lady, and now they're eating, right? <clears throat> Holy mackerel, you know? Got a whole new paradigm here to work with. Right. So, um, why do you think people refuse to give up on using linear periodization? Um, it's because it's what they grow comfortable with. Remember earlier we talked about right. This is what we've always done. This is what we've always done. I mean, it's just been you know that's just been the way of the horse, you know. So it's like uh, the you know that this what they're comfortable with. That's what their emotions have attached themselves to. And they're right. just not going to give it up. And they'll always have, I like when they'll say, oh, well, that's what Ed Cohn did. You know, that's what uh, Don Reinhardt did. That's what, but well, you're not Ed Cohn. You're not. Yeah, right. You're not a genetic freak like that. Not everybody. Can. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and, you know, I'm just saying it, but earlier I said, you know, box squats aren't for everybody. I, I doubt Ed Cohn ever box squat. You know what I mean? Right. Um, Doubt Don Reinhardt did too, and they still had these huge squats. So right. I, you know, I don't, you know, I can't speak for it, but but it's like uh, if you don't take all the stuff that's offered today, it's almost like ten years ago. It's like people ran to regression, and when it came to um, uh, strength methods, you know, they they ran towards better equipment, but they ran away from training methods, training methodologies, right. Right. and they're so scared to change those, you know. So it's like. Right. Um, all right. Well, um, you do guys do what you do, but I remember we couldn't keep up with all the advances in strength methodologies back in the nineties and the two thousands. And then it seemed like right around Oh eight, Oh nine. The, the, the thing was like, uh, I remember people will say, I hate what's that. Well, why, you know, and uh, I hate <laughs> this stuff. And then they just, they have an excuse. Well, everybody out there is on roids. Well, what, how do you know that? Are you there? Every, oh, there's a lot of people on roids. Yeah. and still don't get, progression like that right <laughs> i mean i mean i've been to plenty of meets where i've seen you know steroids very abused but they did not win you know yeah. so um i mean it's you got to mind your own business and do your own thing and do your own job first you know 
And um, I, you know, when these people get stuck like that, unfortunately, a lot of them have coaching positions. And so, and then a kid breaks loose. You ever hear, see this one, Khalil? A kid breaks loose. They find, they find a gym and somebody knows what they're doing. And they go to there. And when the strength coach finds out about it, they're like, if you go there, you're off the team. You're off the team. You know, they manipulate them. I'm doing that with my kids. I mean, oh, my God. Some of these strength coaches, and they're getting paid good money at their schools. And I'm like, some of the, like I have kids that are hurt and or, or they're in pain because they got an ankle injury in practice. And then they're like, yeah, the strength coach is still trying to make me snatch during our sessions. And I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Battling that is just – it's so hard. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's really hard uh, to deal with that, and um, you know, it's almost like you're throwing your kids out there just to be, you know, get knocked around on purpose. Yeah. You know, yeah. so uh, it's one thing in a sport when they're in competition. It's another thing when they the weight room is a is, is a protected environment that you can control. You can't right, control right. the field. You can't control the field or the court. Right, you know, yeah. stuff's going to happen. It's out of your control. But in the weight room, we can control the environment. Yeah. And we just have lost control. You know, yeah. it seems I, I don't know if it's ego thing or if it's uh, for Instagram for likes a lot of times. Right. You know right. right. <laughs> emotional, emotional thing. You know, people are very emotional. Um, uh, you got to look at people's who benefits, you know, if they're if they're a popular social media guru, like you said, and it's, it's after likes and popularity. I mean, that's a whole new paradigm. That doesn't necessarily take a lot of knowledge to do that. It takes some type of talent. You know, I don't have it, but, uh, you know, it takes some, but there's no content there, you know? So they have popularity, but they have no content. It's like an actor, you know? One of the biggest disappointments in my life was when I was a little kid, I was like, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Then when I found out he wasn't really strong, and then when I found out he wasn't really, uh, you know, a Terminator, a, uh, you know, Conan the Barbarian, when he was just a bodybuilder and right. they just pumped their muscles up, I was like so disappointed he wasn't the real deal. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, golly, you know, as a kid, you have this one vision of what somebody should be with all those muscles, you know, and then when you find out it's just smoke and mirrors, you're like, oh my gosh, but he made a living at it, you know? Yeah. And uh, everybody's like, how can he do the stuff he's doing at 70 some years old? I'm like, well, he never really, he never really, you know, never squatted a thousand pounds year after year. He should be feeling great, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So it should be business as normal. So, uh, you know, uh, like an NFL player, I told uh, these guys have 12 year careers, 10, 12 year careers in the NFL as linemen. It's like, all you got is your training after, after your career's over. Go train, you know, get stronger. You don't have to beat your football weights, but tr- stay strong. You know, right. you're, you've got, you know, a dozen surgeries under your, you know, six, six, half a dozen, a dozen surgeries over your course of your college and pro career. You know, you have to stay strong. That, that will. Keep How do you, you guys do that? The football, like go get ACL surgery and then you start running on it. I'm like, yo, I bang my knee and it, I'm, out for a few days y'all take get the surgery go right back out is it just the mentality like i, I yeah well, sometimes it. the muscles sometimes the muscles act as as a guide then replace of ligaments and you know right right torn yeah. torn ligaments that that will position the joint properly 
that's not, then your well, muscles so much have to stronger than the basketball players. So. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, well, they're shorter. <laughs> well, some of them are shorter. Yeah. <laughs> I'm only five ten, so yeah, I'm sure. And you know, um, the the strength actually takes over as the positioning of the joint properly. Hmm. You know, it's never as good as it was prior to injury, but right. it still holds it together. So, <laughs> you know, um, I saw a guy squatting over a thousand pounds, and you know, he had nothing in his knees, nothing. Right, it was right. gone. He said like five surgeries on his knees. They you did and one of them knees didn't even have a kneecap on it, you know. So that's the importance uh, of strength, right? Yeah. <laughs> big old kid right, wrapped his knees, went out and squatted, and you know, thousand pounds. Hello. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no ACL, uh, you know, no no nothing. So yeah. Jeez. yeah. <laughs> all right, man. That that's that's all I got for you. I'm not gonna hold you any longer. It's, it's just been great. I know. I know you're like only thirty minutes, and I got a. I got an hour fifty. So, I. Hey, I'm so pleased. I, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, no problem, Khalil. And um, <laughs> thank you for having me. Okay. <laughs> no, no, thank you, thank you. You have and, you have a good rest of your day. Okay. You too. Take care, buddy. <laughs> thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Well, that concludes this episode. I hope you liked it. I will be. Posting on my Instagram, once again, that's K-A-L-I-L underscore S-H-E-R-R-O-D. About the next episode, I will be interviewing the next coach actually this weekend. So it'll be probably dropping this Monday or Tuesday. So stay tuned and once again, stay clean. Peace.